So church family, would you welcome to the pulpit today, Reverend Steve Otley, our district superintendent. And I'd like Pat Otley, his wonderful wife, to just stand, who is sitting beside my wife, Cindy. Pat, welcome to you. Pat, Pat, turn around so people can still see how young you look. All right. Uh, if I recall correctly, uh, Pastor Steve and Pat and their children became a part of our church, I think it was back in 1983, yes. 1983, and he used to work for a major company in the city, felt a call to the ministry, did his academic studies, uh, then he became our youth minister in the 90s for almost 10 years, and then he took the initiative in starting the Gateway Community Church in Whitby. And uh, just this past year, we were happy to elect him as our new district superintendent. And so we rejoice in having him bring the message today. And to our radio listeners, radio listeners, we just want to make sure you're aware today that you have the privilege of listening to Reverend Steve Otley, district superintendent of Canada, the Canada Central District. So in case some of our radio listeners are thinking it doesn't sound like Pastor Nick, it definitely doesn't sound like Pastor Lisa. Uh, it's because we have a wonderful pastor who originally came from Belize, Belize, Central America. How many of you know where Belize is? Put your hand up. All right, oh, all right, that's great. See how educated our people are, Pastor Steve, oh. amen. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Nick. Good morning, church family. And now that you tell me I'm on the radio, no pressure. <laughs> oh, it is uh, mine and Pat's privilege to be with you here this morning. And um, youth, the youth band here. Huh? Thank you. Thank you very much. Praise God. It's good to be with you, Pastor Nick and Cindy. And I thank God for both of you down through the years and the, uh, the, the role that you have played in, in our lives, in, in, my, in my life, my wife, our family. Uh, we thank God for you. Um, for, for months, Pat and I have been looking forward to today where we get to come and spend the morning with you. And uh, I, I can't remember how long ago I was, uh, I was planning for the fall and, and into the winter, all the church visits that I have. We've got 60 congregations, 61, sorry. And so uh, it takes a year and a half to get to all of our congregations. And uh, so I was planning and, and I, I contacted Pastor Nick to see if I could come this Sunday. And, uh, and so we've been looking forward to this. But then something happened uh, or I, I realized something uh, about a week ago. I was looking through my calendar the first of the month. I, I, I look at my month, and then each week I look at the week and just uh, see where I'm at and, and pray that God would bless my time uh, for the month, for the week. And all of a sudden, I got even more excited about coming here on this particular Sunday because 35 years ago, to the Sunday, Pat and I walked into Rosewood Church of the Nazarene for the very first time. <laughs> you, you, you can't plan stuff like that. <laughs> that that's just a God thing. We, uh, we, of course, it was the, the old building on Alex Muir, and uh, we walked into the sanctuary and sat on the second to the last row 
on this side of the sanctuary. If you, those of you who've been around a while, picture the sanctuary there. We sat on the second to the last row. They didn't want to be, uh, you know, uh, we, we, yeah, we, we just wanted to sit back. But you know who sat even behind us? The pastor's wife. <laughs> Cindy sat right behind us, and she was the first one to welcome us to Gateway Community Church, and, and or, oh, whoa, 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 to, to Rosewood Church of the Nazarene, and, uh, and, and life has never been the same. <laughs> uh, so uh, little, little did we know the impact that this church would have on our lives and the trajectory of our lives, and so we are just thankful to God and to you for, uh, for the investment that you have made in our family. Our, our family would not be what it is in great part because of the foundation uh, uh, that we had at Rosewood. And uh, our marriage is what it is in great part because of the foundation that we received at Rosewood over the years. So thank you. Thank you very much. And we're thankful that Rosewood Church is... Um, is a part of the Canada Central District Church of the Nazarene. I mentioned earlier that we have 61 congregations, so I bring you greetings on behalf of your other 60 partner sister congregations across the district. And, and, uh, and I thank God for uh, the fact that we are a part of the larger church body, not just the district, but the Church of the Nazarene International 30,574 churches, 2.5 million members around the world, and we are a part of the larger body of Christ called the Church of Jesus Christ, and uh, we're thankful for that. Uh, back in June of, of uh, this year, we had our annual district assembly right here at Rosewood, and we celebrated some of the things that God is doing among us here on this district, Canada Central being uh, uh, the, the province of Ontario. Let me just share with you quickly before I get into the message some of the things we celebrated about last year, last church year. Two, in those 61 congregations, 250 new people gave their lives to Christ last year. Isn't that good? And together, we raise... $300,000 towards World Evangelism Fund, where we share the gospel around the world. Amen. And, and you, of course, uh, gave a significant portion of that. Together, for all purposes, the Canada Central District raised $6 million. That's for the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And, uh, and about 4,500 of us call ourselves Nazarenes in Ontario. So, to God be the glory, great things he has done. And I want to sincerely thank you for your faithfulness uh, over the years in giving to others through the District Tithe, through the World Evangelism Fund, through Alabaster Offering, through the Cuba Partnership, and, and so many other ways that you give to others. We carry out the mission of making Christ-like disciples, and we do so better together as a district. So thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of my heart. Well, let's transition into where I want us to go this morning. How many of you know uh, what's happening in 44 days? Oh, yeah, Raven, right back there. In 44 days, 
It's, it's Christmas. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Because I, because I travel a lot uh, to, uh, across Ontario and, and even beyond, I, I invested in, in a subscription to satellite radio in my car. And so last week, Thursday, the 1st of November, I was, uh, I was traveling to, uh, to London, Ontario uh, for, for a pastor's meeting there. And so I, had, I left home at 6. I was at the district office for a while, then I traveled there on the way back, stuck in traffic. And so I'm, I, I'm scanning my satellite radio to find something relaxing after a long day and, and sitting in traffic. And all of a sudden, I came across a brand new channel, the Hallmark Channel, the Christmas Channel. And, and, and I know you're thinking way too early, right? No, no. Well, I tell you what, I, I was like, yes, I, I need some good news music right now. And so uh, one of my favorite songs, not that day, but a, a few days later, one of my favorite songs came on that channel because I've been listening to it. And uh, it's the song, My Grown-Up Christmas List. Know that one? Kelly Clarkson. And, and, and so uh, I hope this works, but... Listen to a piece of Christmas for just a, a minute here. Let's see if this works, Raven. Internet, work, there we go. Listen to the words of this song. You know, us pastors, we're always looking for sermon illustrations. So as I, as I was listening to this song, all of a sudden it dawned on me that this is actually Jesus' Christmas list, his Christmas wish list. Uh, Kelly sings uh, the, the second stanza, and the, the words go like this, As children we believe, the grandest sight to see was something lovely wrapped beneath the tree, but heaven only knows that packages and bows 
can never heal a heartached human soul. And then she goes on to sing the chorus again. No more lives torn apart, that wars would never start, and time would heal all hearts, and everyone would have a friend, and right would always win, and love would never end. This is my grown-up Christmas list. Folks, that's, that's Jesus' Christmas list. That's why he came to earth to die on the cross, and he invites us to be part of making that list a reality. Scripture tells us in 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 19, it says, all of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sin against them, And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. This is his Christmas list. That no more lives would be torn apart. That wars would never start. I'm so thankful for our military friends who are here. And I think on Remembrance Day, I always think about my dad who served in World War II. He served uh, in the Caribbean Battalion, originally from Belize, so he was part of the Caribbean Battalion and served with the British troops and was in, uh, in Italy and Egypt during the Second World War. And so I remember him and the sacrifice that he made. Uh, he's 93 years old now and uh, still serving the Lord. And then I also remember my sister, who is currently in the U.S. Air Force and uh, just came back from the Middle East And so I thank God for those who serve in the military and serve our countries to protect us and and have fought for our freedoms over the years. But I thank God that, um, that God is calling us, the church, to be a part of helping the world to, rec- to be reconciled to himself. The, the, the words of that song, no more wars, uh, lives not torn apart anymore, you, you, you can't legislate things on this list. You can try, but we can't legislate them. You, you, you can't force people into this reality that this list is calling for. The only way that this list becomes a reality is through the transformed human heart, brought about by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what this morning's focus scripture is all about, and it speaks to the transformation of a man by the name of Zacchaeus. How many of you remember the story of Zacchaeus? The passage is found in Luke chapter 19, verse 1 to 10. Let me read to you the story. Luke 19, 1 to 10. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man named Zacchaeus, and he was the chief tax collector in the region. And he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed up the sycamore fig tree beside the road. For Jesus was coming to pass that way. Verse 5 says that when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and he called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. And so Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. 
He is gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half of my wealth to the poor, Lord, and if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, Salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who were lost. This is the word of the Lord. Whenever I read this story or I hear this story, my mind goes back to my childhood days in Sunday school when we used to sing that song, Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man was he, he. You went to the same Sunday school that I went. And when the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree and said, Zacchaeus, come down, for I'm going to your house for tea, for I'm going to your house for tea. Isn't that cool? I used to love Sunday school. As a kid, I used to love, I thank God that Rosewood still has Sunday school. That's, that's where I, that's where I, gain a, a, a foothold and a grounding in Scripture, and, uh, and I thank God for that. Um, I, I want us to keep in the forefront of our minds the last two verses of that passage of Scripture. Verse 9 and 10 says, Jesus responded, Salvation has come to this home today, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who were lost. Another way, uh, another way to phrase Jesus' words here is, transformation has come to this house today because of what Jesus has done in the life of Zacchaeus. Transformation stories. I love to hear and to tell transformation stories. I, uh, I never get tired of hearing them. I, I've been hearing a number of stories over the last few weeks as I've been traveling to our churches across the district. I was up in Owen Sound. Pat and I were up in Owen Sound just a few day, or a few weeks ago, and, uh, and Pastor Larry Leonard, after the service, was sharing with us uh, that over the past few months, they've seen four new people come to faith in Jesus Christ. And so he was sharing one by one about those people and the transformed lives. And one of them, the final story he told me, he told us, was about this young lady who was in church that Sunday. I had just finished preaching, and she was sitting there. And he told me, he said, this was her second Sunday in church. Last Sunday was her very first Sunday. And uh, you, you got to picture this young lady. She's... Uh, 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 purple here, nose ring, tats all over, and, and, uh, and in the middle of the previous Sunday, when Pastor Larry is preaching, in the middle of the service, she puts her hand up, and she goes, uh, I think I need to be saved. <laughs> and so he was able to lead her to Christ that day. And the Sunday, when I was there, and I'm preaching, she's sitting right over here, and in the middle of my sermon, she's talking back to me. She goes, I like what you just said there. I'm going, I love this. A life that is transformed. Uh, Oakville, 
I was just talking to Pastor Danny from our Oakville church, and he and I were supposed to have a phone conference call, and, and, and he got a hold of me and, and, uh, by text, and both of us were saying, can we put this off for about half an hour? Uh, we were both busy. And so when I connected with him, he said, the reason I wanted to put it off was because uh, I was talking to this young man who had started coming out to church, and, uh, and just today he was in the he showed up, and I started talking to him, I presented the gospel to him, and he gave his life to Christ. I said, you can postpone any meeting with me for that kind of, of, that kind of news, a transformed life. Talked to the pastor of our Mark, Markdale church uh, yesterday, and he, uh, Pastor Phil Sabin, and he shared with me that today they are baptizing seven people in their congregation up in Markdale today. And today, you are doing exactly the same thing, celebrating transformed lives. Some of you might have heard me tell this story before, way back when I was pastoring here, when I was on staff at Rosewood, but that's years ago, so I don't know if you remember what Pastor Nick preached last week, so I'm hoping that you didn't remember the story I told some 15 years ago. It was... It was early in the morning in front of the landmark Paslo building in Belize City, where I grew up, that a young police officer came around the corner. It was about 2 o'clock, 2.30 in the morning, came around the corner, and he witnessed that there was an armed robbery that was taking place. The robber, Bill Robinson, was high and out of his mind on drugs, and so as the officer approached Bill Robinson, the assailant, to rescue his victim from him, Bill Robinson turned around and he plunged his long blade knife into the torso of that young officer and killed him in cold blood. Robinson was eventually tried and convicted, found guilty of first-degree murder, and he was sentenced to death. He was placed in the Belize Central Prison. The phone rang on my dad's desk, and when he picked it up, it was the warden of the prison, and he said, Reverend Otley, I would like to invite you to visit Bill Robinson in prison where he was waiting to be hung by his neck until he was dead. Those were the words of the judge as he sentenced Robinson you will be hung by your neck until you are dead. Dad, having a true pastor's heart and, and, and a passion to reach the lost, even a, uh, a, a cold-blooded murder, took the challenge on. And the first time he visited Robinson in his cell block, the infamous uh, central prison of Belize, he approached Robinson's cell, and the, murder, the murderer wanted nothing to do with the preacher man or his God or church or anything like that. So dad left. But if you know anything about my dad, <laughs> there are two things you would know about him. He is a man of prayer. Um, there are times when Pat and I are visiting with my parents. We try to get down to Belize once a year, typically around February or March. <laughs> That's the time of year I get really homesick for Belize. And, 
And uh, there are times when we're visiting with them, and, and every morning we have family devotion. And when it's dad's turn to pray, <laughs> my mom gets her pillow. Because <laughs> we're going to be here a while, folks. <laughs> and, and he starts praying, and he goes around the world. If he met you when he came to Rosewood years ago, he is still praying for you. <laughs> But that's just the kind of person he, he's a man of prayer. And, uh, you know, but a few years ago when, when we thought we were going to lose them, one of the first things that came to my mind was, who's going to be praying for me like my dad does? <laughs> All right? He's a man of prayer. The other thing that you would know about my dad if you knew him well is that he's a man of persistence. He's like a dog with a bone. He won't let go. I remember some years ago, Pat and I were visiting with them, and my, my wife just loves a good debate. And so there are, there are a lot of things that her and my dad can debate about. So they, I can't even remember what the topic was, but they were debating away. I think it was the last day that we were there. And so they, uh, they kind of ended with an agreement to disagree and so we went home, we came home to Canada, and a year later, we went back to Belize, and we settled in, we got home, they picked us up from the airport, got home, settled in, and then we went out into the, into the living room, and my dad picked up the debate again. <laughs> so he is just a persistent man. And so dad spent much time in prayer and fasting over Bill Robinson and went back time after time after time to talk to this gentleman. And then the day came when Bill began to open up. And that glorious day came when my dad presented the clear and simple gospel, the good news that Jesus Christ died for all, including a cold-blooded murderer. And in that hot, humid cell in Belize Central Prison, Bill Robinson, this cold-blooded murderer, was transformed into a child of God. Amen. 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 Now, someone might say, well, you know, Bill... Bill just had kind of that come-to-Jesus moment so that he could, he could get some sympathy from the justice system in Belize, and maybe they will reduce his sentence from, from uh, a death sentence to maybe a life sentence, but nothing could be further from the truth. Bill shared with my dad in one of his visits with him, he said, Rev, he said, I know what I did was wrong, and, and, and I am so thankful that God, by his grace, has forgiven me of what I have done. But I understand that I need to bear the earthly consequence for what I did. And so I'm ready to die. And so on the day of, his, of the execution, my dad was with Bill in his cell at 6 a.m. that morning, reading scripture and, and praying with him. And the prison guard brought his final meal bread and water. And Bill looked at him and he said, boss, I, I don't have any time for that. I'm getting real food right now. 
as he was drinking in the words of Scripture. At 6.50 a.m., the cell door suddenly opened and four large prison guards rushed in with wide leather belts to strap the prisoner to make sure that he wouldn't resist them. At first, Bill was startled by what was happening, and so he got in the defensive mode. But when he realized what was happening, Bill willingly allowed the guards to strap him and place the black hood over his head. The guards led Bill along the hallway from his cell towards the gallows, and Dad started, The Lord is my shepherd. And from out from underneath the black hood, you could hear Bill's voice, Amen. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Amen. Bill's voice comes out again, booming over the preacher man's recitation of the 23rd Psalm and the marching feet towards the gallows. They reached the gallows, and three of the guards held Bill while the fourth began putting the noose around over his head. And when Bill from under the hood, figured out what was happening, he actually moved his head so that they could get the noose around his neck. Dad was allowed to pray the final prayer of committal. Bill's voice could be heard saying his final AM, amen. And precisely at 7 a.m., the lever was pulled, the trap door was open, and Bill fell to his death. At that moment, two things happened. At that very moment, the just requirements of the justice system of Belize for the death of a young police officer, those requirements of justice were met. A life for a life. And at that very moment, the justice that was dealt out on the cross, the death of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was released in Bill Robinson as grace flowed down those ropes to the soul that left that body and made its way to be with the one who had died for him. Amen. Grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that will pardon and cleanse from sin. Grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that is greater than all of our sins. Bill Robinson was totally transformed by the wonderful grace of God. The good news is that God makes that same grace available to all of us. Wherever you find yourself, whatever your past has been, God's grace is sufficient for that. You may say, well, pastor, you don't even know my spiritual condition right now. Well, I'm here to tell you that even in your spiritual condition right now, God's grace is available for you. Amen. Amen. The religious elite on the day, on that day, and as well as the 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 the, the crowd that was gathered questioned Jesus's decision to go and to sit 
in the tax collector's home to have a meal. He is gone to be with a guest, a, a notorious sinner, they grumbled. How, how, could, how could Jesus associate himself with such a person? Now, before you judge this crowd of people, you and I, we need to understand about tax collectors back then. We, we, we need to understand why, why they were grumbling. And if, and if you were in their shoe, you may be grumbling too. <laughs> so let's understand what was happening here. Israel was under the rule of Rome. And, and, and in order for Rome to continue to finance the, the empire that it had, it created these high taxes for all of the countries that were subjected to them. And of course, Israel was dead set against these taxes, not just because they were high, but because they were going to finance this pagan, uh, this pagan mechanism. They worship pagan gods. And, and so that, that was the one thing that made people grumble that how could Jesus go and be with a tax collector collecting taxes for this pagan system? The other reason Jesus' visit with Zacchaeus, with Zacchaeus was, uh, was an issue was that Zacchaeus was a Jew, and he was working for Rome. I mean, that's, that would be the equivalent of, of a citizen of France working for Nazis back in 1940, 1944, right? So you get in the picture now? Also, these tax collectors, they were notorious for adding on to the taxes that Rome gave. They said, Pastor Nick owes $1,000 to Rome. The tax collector, Zacchaeus, would say, Pastor Nick, you owe $1,500 to Rome. They would give Rome the $1,000 and keep the $500. That's why Scripture said he became rich. In other words, Zacchaeus was an extortionist, Right? So you can understand why these, this crowd was so upset. Why would Jesus go and associate with people like this? But for Jesus, these were exactly the kind of people that he came for. The Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost. And of course, the scripture describes the kind of transformation that takes place in Zacchaeus' life. This once extortionist whose heart was hardened with, with selfishness and greed was transformed into a specimen of generosity. I will give half of my wealth. That's the part of his wealth that he had accumulated for working with Rome or working for Rome. I will give half of my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I have cheated people on their taxes, that's the part that he extorted, right? If I have cheated anyone, the poor, I will give them back four times as much. Folks, that's, that's transformation, isn't it? Amen. Amen. It's, it's the transforming work of the Holy Spirit that took place in Zacchaeus' life. God's grace is transformative and changes destinies as well as the present reality and actions of a person. 
And so Zacchaeus was totally transformed by the wonderful grace of God. And once again, the good news is that that same grace is available to all of us here. You may be sitting here and whether you want to admit it or not, maybe the Holy Spirit is convicting you and saying, you know what, you're kind of just like Zacchaeus. You've got a selfish heart. Good news is, God's grace can transform you into a specimen of generosity. You may know a Zacchaeus in your life. You may know someone who is an extortionist, a bully, a mean little man. <laughs> you probably got a picture in your head right now, that boss of mine. Yeah. The good news is that God's grace can transform that person Amen. from the inside out. Whatever the character flaw that you may have, God's grace applied to you and the power of the Holy Spirit working in you can bring about transformation. Maybe it's an unforgiving spirit. God can transform you. Maybe, maybe it's, it's, it's a lustful, wandering eye. God can transform that. Maybe, maybe it's low self-esteem that you have for yourself. Well, God can transform you. Whatever character flaws that you have or whatever character flaws that you see in your spouse or your family member, your son, your daughter, your mother, your, 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 your dad, whatever those character flaws are of your co-workers, all of those people, family members, neighbors around you, God's grace is able to transform them. The same grace or the same power that raised Jesus from the dead can transform your life and my life and the lives of the people around us. The same power that transformed Zacchaeus, the same power that transformed Bill Robinson, that same power can transform the person that you are picturing in your mind right now. Don't ever give up on people. Don't ever give up on people, no matter how unlikely you think that person might be to change. Don't ever give up. God's grace is able to transform. Remember, God is able to do infinitely more than we can imagine or think or hope for according to his power at work within you. As we, as we prepare to celebrate God's grace in the sacrament of baptism, let, let me wrap things up with, with this. Here's the key to all of this. Here is how God's transformative power is let loose in a person's life. It's in one word, surrender. Surrender. Jesus Christ has done the work on the cross his final words were, it is finished. The work 
that is needed to be done for my grace to be applied to any person has been completed, accomplished on the cross. The just requirement for your sins and my sins have been met by Christ's death on the cross. It is efficacious, it is, it is effective in God's desired result of salvation in a person's life. Now, in order for that to be released in you, there is a choice. There, there must be a choice that is made, and the first choice is repent. Now, there's a word that we don't use very often in society anymore, and in fact, too many times we don't use it enough in, in church circles. Repent. See, repentance goes far, way beyond just feeling sorry for something that I have done. It goes way beyond that. Repentance is actually, here's the thing that I have done or I am doing. Repentance is turning away from doing it, not just be feeling sorry for it, but actually turning away from that thing and turning towards God and his power, who that's the only person and the only power that can keep us from turning back to that thing. That's repentance. Not just feeling sorry for it, but then continuing in that practice. Then there is this further step of surrender. Surrender is, is giving in to the Holy Spirit, allowing the Holy Spirit to change the very way that I think. Never mind being pulled towards this thing, but it changes, the Holy Spirit renews my mind and helps me to fix my thoughts on that what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Surrender is allowing the transforming work of God to be accomplished in your life. Amen. So all of us, all of us need the transforming work of the Holy Spirit to be active in our lives. All of us need that. The good news is that if he could do it in Zacchaeus's life, he could do it in yours and mine. If he could do it in Bill Robinson's life, he could do it in yours and mine. It is your attitude of repentance and surrender that activates God's transforming work in your life. And we need the spirit of surrender that we see in Zacchaeus as he was willing to give his wealth away, his prized possession, money. He was willing to, that's, that's a transformed spirit. We need that spirit of surrender in Bill Robinson that we see where he is willing to receive the just punishment for the crime that he committed. So the question is, how about you? How about you? Are, are, first of all, are you, are you living the surrendered life? Have you repented? Have you turned away and turned towards God? And are you fully surrendered to God, allowing his Holy Spirit to transform you from the inside out? If you want to experience God's amazing, transformative power 
at work in your life, I invite you in these moments to just pray a, a prayer of surrender to the Lord. Maybe for you it's the, it's, it's the first moment, the moment that you are going to repent and say, Lord, forgive me of my sins and turning towards God. Maybe for others of you it's, Lord, I, I need to surrender. I need, I need to give you all of me. I need, to, I need to have you transform the way that I think so that I could dwell on those things that are pure and right and lovely and, and good. But in these moments, as we prepare to celebrate the transforming work that God has done for those who are going into the water, water of baptism, I invite us to just bow our heads now. And in these moments... pray a prayer of repentance or surrender. Lord, I thank you for my friends here at Rosewood Church. Father, I thank you for the move of your Holy Spirit. And I pray for that one person or persons here who this morning, you've been speaking to them and say, saying, you need to make your first step to, of repentance, giving your life to me, turning away from the lifestyle that you have been living and turning to God and saying, I come to you, I accept the free gift of salvation, free to me, but very expensive to your son. Lord, I pray for that person, those persons. But Lord, I also pray for those of us who whether it was recently or some time ago, we get, we'd made that step, but we haven't fully surrendered to you. All of who we are, all of the things that I don't even know about myself. And so, Lord, I pray for those here this morning who need to surrender to you. And I pray that in these closing moments, as we get ready as we prepare to celebrate the transforming work of your Holy Spirit in the lives of those who are going to be baptized. I pray in these closing moments that you would hear us and that your grace would be applied wherever it's needed, however it's needed. We give you praise. Just sing with me. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Melt me. Melt me. Hey.